Welcome to the Business Source Podcast. Today we have on Kuda Biza. Would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, um, I'm the co-founder and uh, chief marketing officer of Unbelievable. I'm a serial entrepreneur who's all about giving back. What is Unbelievable? Unbelievable is a cookie company where for every cookie that we sell, we donate a meal. And um, we're doing this really to make a difference after learning that there's a big hunger issue in America, we decided to fight hunger in a delicious way. When did you start this company? We started it last year. So 2019 was when we went live, we're about a year old. And uh, we've been really, really uh, been surprised and pleased by the amount of uh, progress we've made over the last year. We've been, we've been able to uh, provide more than 200,000 meals uh, since we launched. So we're really excited by uh, what we've done, but we're more than uh, thrilled with what's to come. It's come to my attention that you own more than one business, especially starting your first one at the age of nine. Would you like to go over some of your other businesses? Yeah, so... <clears throat> I started a personal development brand called This Is My Era, and it was really out of, uh, you know, not being able to find a 90-day planner in the marketplace that really was effective for me. So I started it with my wife, and the whole premise for This Is My Era is around the notion of you doing the most that you can during your time so that uh, you achieve your highest possible um, potential. And with This Is My Era, it's, a, it's also a social uh, mission brand. So for every planner we sell, we donate a stationary kit to a child in need because we believe that education is a human right. And we're trying to use this platform to make a difference. So as you're making your goals happen, you're also uh, helping other people achieve their dreams. Uh, so that's one. Another one that I'm involved in, it's, uh, it's a sports merchandising company called Signables. So we have uh, licensing agreements with some of the top European soccer teams like Chelsea, Liverpool, Arsenal, Manchester City, Paris Saint-Germain, you know, a whole host of uh, top European soccer teams. And we make officially licensed merchandise that we sell. We also have our own patented uh, product that we also sell through that business. Um, so it's really a passion project. I'm a big soccer fan. I'm a big Chelsea uh, fan. So when, when Signables came along, uh, I was really excited about that. And, and a few other businesses too. You know, we can be here the whole, the whole day, but uh, I've launched businesses in Saudi Arabia. I've, I've, I've worked on projects in Guatemala, all across the world. Uh, but the ones that I've mentioned are, are ones that are really near and dear to me. You mentioned that you start businesses in Saudi Arabia and all over the world. Were these ones, are these ones still active? So the Saudi Arabian business, uh, it, it is still active, but I'm, I'm no longer actively involved in it. The way it started, it was actually an interesting story. Um, I was in Guatemala visiting a friend. And while I was walking around the streets of Guatemala, I just saw this brand uh, Wakami, uh, their bracelets, they were all over the city. Like every shop I would go, I would see Wakami bracelets. And I said to my friend, hey, wouldn't it be cool if I could meet the CEO? 
And I just said it as a passing statement, not knowing that my friend actually took it seriously. And he went and did some investigative work and found who the CEO was, arranged a meeting. And I went to their office and I, and I got to learn more and, and see what they were doing. And uh, while I was there, um, just, you know, out of the blue, I was like, I want to buy 400 bracelets. And the ladies were like, what? They were shocked, but they were also excited. And I bought 400 bracelets on the spot with the thinking that, hey, I'll bring them to America and sell them. And as I was uh, leaving, I asked if I could get the exclusive distribution rights to sell in the U.S. And unfortunately, I was a few months late. They'd already given those rights to someone else. Uh, I asked for the exclusive distribution rights for Europe. Again, they'd given them to someone else. They'd, they'd also given the exclusive distribution rights for you know Japan and Asia as well as Australia. So the only market that was open was the Middle East and Africa. So Africa, I knew that it was going to be a little bit expensive because of their pricing. So the Middle East was really the only market that was open. And it also just turned out that my intern was from Saudi Arabia. So when I came back to the office and I showed him the bracelets, you know, we both got excited and my intern was like, hey, what if I go home and try to sell them? Like, I will quit uh, this job and I'll become a business partner with you. So I was like, okay, if you're willing to take the risk, let's do it. The bracelets are already here and you know uh, the, the the Saudi Arabian market and you speak Arabic, so let's do it. So he flew over and set up a booth at a, at a, they call them a bazaar. So it's like a flea market. And in a weekend, he sold 400 bracelets. We were all shocked and excited. And we bought 2,000, sent them over back to, uh, you know, to Saudi Arabia, sold them in a weekend as well. And we realized we're onto something. And then we just started building the brand. We ended up having a retail store in one of the biggest malls in Saudi Arabia. We even got placement in some of the virgin mega stores in the Middle East. And it, it just started growing from there. Uh, but because my business partner at the time, he was becoming more and more involved in the business and my role um, in other businesses started to take more of my time, I decided to sell my equity. But it was an exciting two to three years where I got to build a business in a totally different market, got to learn Arabic actually um, through through that process. And it was a it was a fun ride. What were some of the challenges of working as an expat? Well, obviously culture, right? Um, business is done a little bit differently. Um, I didn't speak the language. So you kind of like had to, you know, rely on other people as, as I learned. Um, but, you know, I actually do think that the, the, the advantages were actually greater, right, than, than, the, than the challenges. Because obviously when you're coming there and you're from America, it, you know, there's a little bit of perceived quality and, you know, um, br you know brand equity, I guess, that, that comes with that. Um, but also, you know, I was based in Florida at the time, um, and the business was obviously in Saudi Arabia. So the whole time zone, uh, stuff was, was also challenging. Uh, but one of the things I'll point out is I, I wasn't really quite, um, you know, knowing of how, how far reaching, you know, the, 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 the religion, uh, you know, strikes. So, so there were certain designs that, you know, we didn't even like pay too close attention to like, you know, they had a, they had a cross on it. Right. Um, you know, I'm a Christian, so it didn't even strike me that, okay, we're going to be sending these 
jewelry items to uh, Saudi Arabia. It's a Muslim country and, you know, it's going to be an issue. And the package got held uh, at customs for for that, you know, and they had to search and, and open every every item and, you know, the things that they felt, you know, were, were not aligned with um, their religion were sent back. And, and the other stuff that they felt was, was good uh, went in. So it's some of those small cultural things that, you know, for you, you might not really think about because it's your day-to-day and you just don't have that cultural uh, acuity. Um, it, it can be challenging too, because imagine if that was a container load of, of products that we had shipped, it would have been a much, much bigger issue, you know, with the cost and, and the repercussions we, we, we potentially could have suffered um, you know, with, with, with the police there. So, um, you know, we, we viewed it as a learning experience. So now as, as we're enter, entering new, you know, territories or even just thinking about new business concepts, uh, we're always sensitive as to how this might affect, um, you know, others who are, who are not like, um, you know, us. Now, Kuda, imagine if someone come up to you and said, hey, I would like to start a business. Can you teach me how? What have you figured out? What would you say to them to help them figure out how to start a business? Well, the first question is what type of business, right? Businesses are different. Uh, businesses, it's, it's like a sport. It's like if someone just says like, hey, I want to I play a sport. Do you want to play basketball? Do you want to play soccer? Do you want to play golf? Right? Because each sport has its own rules. So the first piece of advice I'll give you is, you know, make a choice of what business you want to be in. And then once you have clarity on that, understand the rules of that business, right? The fashion business is different to, let's say, the cookie business, right? Um, get a mentor is the next thing I would say, because you want someone who's been there, done that, who can help you avoid mistakes that you would potentially make and help you accelerate the learning curve. So that's that's super important. So I myself have mentors um, who've been there, done that in, in almost every business that I'm involved in. Um, you know, so so it's it's super important for you to do that. And and you know, don't be afraid to take risks. That's the next thing I'll say. So I actually would encourage someone who comes to me and say, hey, I want to get into business. And I would remind them that fortune favors the bold. So be bold enough to be different. Be bold enough to to take that risk. Be bold enough to look at it in in a in a unique way and and provide value in, into the marketplace like no one else is, because it is the crazy people, um, you know, who end up actually achieving crazy results. So so that would be the piece of advice I would I would give someone who comes to me saying that they want to get into business. As far as mentors go, how did you find your personal mentors, and what was your relationship with them? Yeah, well, <clears throat> I found my mentors, you know, in many different ways. Some I would bump into them at a conference and I would just go to them and, you know, strike a conversation, tell them what I'm working on, learn a little bit about them, quickly identify ways I could offer value to them, um, you know, and then, and then start building that relationship. I think one of the key things that people forget um, is that it's a two-way street, right? They, they look at someone who's successful and they're always thinking about how can I take, take, take? Um, I think you, you need to flip uh, that mindset on, on, on its head, right? And, and think about how can I give, give, give? 
because you know even if someone is successful it doesn't mean that you can't offer anything so for for my perspective i always look to how i can give value to someone who i would want them to be my mentor because once i give them value and they truly see who i am they come into the mentorship um you know a little bit differently right because they've i've, I've given right so 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 that's one way um another way i've gotten mentors is really just pure cold outreach um i've gotten mentors from you know an email uh outreach a linkedin outreach a dm on instagram you'll actually be surprised you know how you know that the response rates are on dms are actually much higher than emails and, and linkedin and things like that where i would send a video to 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 someone you know super influential you know a billionaire and you know next thing i know i'm getting a reply back saying like hey here's my email shoot me a note and you know cc my assistant here's her email and let's have a 15 minute conversation that has happened to me so you know there's no like one like way i can say like oh if you do this you're definitely going to get a mentor uh, but I say that just don't be afraid to go out and say hello. At the end of the day, these are people just like you. And um, <clears throat> the other thing about mentorship is that it doesn't have to always be someone you have like a one-to-one -one relationship with, right? Sometimes it could be a relationship where you're just reading their material that they're posting online. So one of my coaching code virtual mentors is a guy called Strive Masiwa. He's a Zimbabwean businessman based in London. He has a large telecommunications company and he has a very active Facebook page where he's talking about business and, you know, all, all these different things that he's, he's been able to accomplish and the lessons that he's learned over, over the years. And I always go and read his material because for me, it's my way of getting a quote unquote advanced business MBA because the material that he's dropping there is, is, is material you won't find even in an MBA. Um, so he's my mentor, although like I don't have uh, a one-to-one -one relationship yet. Uh, hopefully one day I will. But that's another way where you can get mentorship uh, nowadays. The technology has made it so easy and so simple for you to, to learn um, without the physical access of the individual. But you can still extract the lessons if you follow them on social media and, and you're just not, you know, going on social media just to waste time but you're going there with an intent to learn you would be surprised how much you can learn so you mentioned that you need to give value to your mentor what are some different ways you found that you can give value to someone who's so successful when you're just trying to become successful <clears throat> sometimes it's it's a word of advice or it's it's an encouraging word um, and sometimes it's really looking into your zone of genius and how you can apply to it. So like, let's say, for example, if you are a good graphic designer, is there something that you can design for them for their page or whatever, right? It's, it's value, right? If you're good at e-commerce, you can go look at their websites and figure out are there things that they're not doing well and maybe send them an, or her an email saying like, hey, here are three things that I recommend could help you sell more and you know blah 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 share it with your team and if they need help implementing it i'll, I'll be more than willing to to do that you know things like that jesse itzla always talks about a story of a guy who reached out to him and said like hey i have um i have a merchant a merchandising company i, I you know i, I make t-shirts hoodies and apparel and all that stuff send me your logo and i'll send you samples of 
you know, some of the material that I make. And if you ever do an event, I'll, I would love to, to, to be your supplier. And Jesse Itzla sent him the logo. And, um, you know, now the guy has Jesse Itzla's business. And for those people who don't know who Jesse Itzla is, he's one of the guys who started Marky Jets. And he's one of the owners of Atlanta Hawks. And he also sold Zico uh, coconut water to Coca-Cola. So he's super successful. He's married to Sarah Blakely, the founder of Spanx. Um, and, you know, that's a good, good, good example of how someone who, um, you know, reached out to someone super successful, provided value to that person. And now their business, you know, they're doing business together. And that person obviously is learning a lot from Jesse. What do you enjoy most about what you do? The impact. Um, I'm an entrepreneur who um, uses business as a vehicle to make a difference. So with Nonbelievable, we're feeding people. With This Is My Era, we're providing education. With Signables, we're also providing education because we use a portion of our profits to uh, provide scholarships to students to go to uh, athletic academies. So for me, it is the impact. It is what gives me fulfillment. Um, and in my book, The Spear Method, I actually talk about the need as, a, as an individual to make sure that as you're chasing success, you're also chasing fulfillment because you don't want to be that miserable millionaire or that miserable billionaire where you have all the money in the world, but you're not fulfilled. So I always make sure that as I'm building you know, all my ventures, there's, there's always that fulfillment element that anchors me and that, you know, keeps me happy and, 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 and fueled every single day. So for me, that's the most important thing. You just mentioned the spear method. Would you like to go over what it is? Yes. So the spear method is, like I said, um, the framework that I developed in my book. And it is a framework for you to achieve success and fulfillment. So S, the first S in, in, in the spear stands for seek your purpose. For you to achieve success and also for you to achieve uh, fulfillment, mainly fulfillment. You can, you can achieve success when you're not um, pursuing your purpose, but you will always achieve fulfillment when you're chasing and pursuing your, your purpose. So that's the first step. You need to know your calling. You need to know your why. Why are you you know, on earth, what, what are you supposed to accomplish while you're still alive? So that's the first thing anyone needs to do. And in the book, I, I offer up uh, some tips on how to do it and, and some different methods on, on how you can find your purpose if you're uh, going through a period where you are not quite sure what your purpose is. Once you find out what your purpose is, the next thing you want to do is you want to create a plan. Because once you know the destination of where you're trying to go, you need to have a flight plan or some sort of plan to get you there. So imagine if you get into an airplane and the pilot tells you like, hey, you know, we don't know how we're going to get to the destination. We'll just wing it. I'm not sure not a lot of people would want to be on that plane, right? You want to get into the plane and you hear the pilot tell you like, hey, we have a flight plan. We're going to take off. We're going to fly at this altitude and we're going to arrive in three hours. They have a plan. It doesn't really mean that everything that they've planned is going to happen. They might need turbulence and things like that along the way. But when you have a plan, your chances of you achieving success, the chances of you actually reaching your destination are much greater than if you don't have a plan. So that's the second part of the spear method. 
The third piece, the E, is execute. Because once you've created a plan and you don't apply any action, then what's the point? So once you've seeked your purpose, once you've created your plan, you want to execute. And I like to say that the three most important days in life are the day you're born, the day you find out why, and each day you act on your why. So it's super important for you to wake up every morning and make sure that you have clarity on how you're going to allocate the 24 hours that you have um, towards your purpose, towards your why. So you need to execute. And once you execute, you're going to achieve, which is the, the next one, A, some sort of result. And the cool thing about that is if you're if you have clarity around your goals and your milestone, you can really measure the achievement. So sometimes you can achieve that milestone 100%. Sometimes you might achieve only 20% of it. But the key thing is you achieve something. And once you've achieved uh, your milestone, you'll repeat that same process of you know planning, executing, and achieving until you ultimately uh, achieve your fulfillment. Uh, so that is what the spear method is all about. Let's talk a little bit more about your unbelievable business. So people are buying cookies and kids are getting meals, right? Well, not just kids, but anybody who's hungry get, gets meals. Yes. So people are buying the cookies. What are the price and how do you go about getting or turning the cookie to the price, to the meal, and then delivering it? And how do you choose what people to deliver it to? It's really simple. We work with uh, nonprofit organizations and soup kitchens that are fighting hunger. So, for example, one of our partners is World Vision. World Vision is one of the largest, you know, nonprofit humanitarian organizations in the world. Each year, they touch about 3.5 million children in more than 100 countries. So they have a huge footprint in identifying people who are in need not just in America, but across the world. And they have uh, a distribution uh, channel to be able to take the aid that they get, i.e. the donations from people like us um, to the people in need. We also work with New York City Relief here in New York City. We work with North Texas Food Bank, a Feeding America affiliate in Dallas, Texas, and a few other organizations that are on the front lines fighting hunger. Um, and from, from our perspective, you know, it's 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 simpler that way because we get to work with people who are passionate and who are experts and they have the delivery mechanism to make sure that the impact gets to the people that need it um you were asking about price we sell our cookies in two configurations right now a six pack and a 12 pack a six pack is 17.99 and a 12 pack is 29.99 and one thing i'll say about the cookies are they're not just your average cookie, right? Our non-believable cookies are three ounces. They're fairly large. It's a generous portion. Um, so, you know, they're meant for sharing. And also, you know, they're, they're quite delicious. Um, and by working with uh, partners like, you know, the World Visions of the World, you know, they're able to leverage their reach, their, their distribution, and some of the donations that they receive um, to be able to uh, reduce the price of the costs of a meal. So, so that's the beauty about working with these type of partners. Do you think there's anything we should have covered before we move into the final portion of the podcast episode? No, I think we've covered quite a bit. I think, I think you're quite thorough in, a, in your questions. 
Okay, let's move on to some final questions. First of all, what would be the best advice for your younger self? Um, I wouldn't give them any advice because I would want my younger self to go through that same discovery uh, process that I went through, right? I think the beauty is in the discovery, like in figuring things out. Um, so, so, you know, I, I wouldn't tell my younger self anything. Like I would want him to uh, figure things out as, as they happen because um, 10 years from now, today, I am my younger self, right? If you think about it from a, like in 2030, right? So over the next 10 years, I'm going to figure out all the other new obstacles that I'm going to get. And that's the beauty of, of that journey. So, so that's, that's my answer to that question. Good answer. Second, what is your favorite book? Well, am I allowed to say my book, The Spear Method? <laughs> Definitely. If that's the best book, I mean, probably has your favorite content in it, right? Yeah. So, you know, obviously The Spear Method is, is a really good book and I love it for obvious reasons. But um, the book that has probably impacted me the most uh, in my own personal development is a book called The Miracle Morning where Hal Elrod talks about uh, the savers method, which is um, a morning routine that he used, that I now used, that has changed my life. And then the other book, and I'll just give you a bonus one, that has really helped me with my financial life is a book by Tony Robbins called Money Master the Game, where Tony you know, really breaks it down around how money works, what you need to do when you're planning for, you know, your retirement, what types of investments you need to make. And it's not just advice coming from Tony, but he interviewed the top financial minds in the world, like the, you know, best hedge fund managers and so forth and so forth. So for, for anybody who really wants to, you know, get a grip around, you know, managing their own personal finances and things like that, that would be a book that I would recommend. Third, what is your biggest failure and what did you learn from it? Yeah, so I don't really look at anything as a failure. I, I always look at things as uh, learning experiences. So <clears throat> I can't really say like, oh, this has been my biggest failure because I, I will always look at it as like, hey, this is a learning experience. Um, but, you know, in business, you know, there are so many things that go wrong, right? Or even just in life. There, there are a lot of things that that go wrong. So, um, you know, in business, uh, an example would be, you know, have you ever tried launching a business with $150, right? A lot of things can go wrong, right? Because um, you don't have the budget, you you don't have all the resources and, 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 and so forth and so forth. So um, I can't really say like, oh, this has been the biggest uh, failure in my life. Because like I said, I always look at it as at a glass half empty type of thing. So anything that happens, life happens to me. Uh, life happens for me, not to me. So I always uh, learn from it. And, and I just figure out a way of not, to, of not to do something. And finally, if people want to follow your journey and see what you're doing, where can they find you? They can follow me on my Instagram. Kudabiza, so K-U-D-A-B-I-Z-A, and they can follow my journey there, or they can just go to my personal website, which is spearmethod.com. 
so it's the title of my book so you'll get to connect with me directly and you get to see all the cool stuff that i'm working on thank you i'll make sure to put everything in the show notes including your book the books you mentioned and your website thank you thanks for, thanks for coming on the podcast i appreciate it. we'll see you later